Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I'm Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're finally starting a quest with chapters 13 through 20 of The Son of Neptune. I remember nothing from this book. <laughs> It's super fun. I was like, they go to Alaska? I don't remember yeah. that. Um, this one's fun because I've been to like a lot of the, like I've been to, they go to Seattle. They do the West Coast, which they, they haven't done before. And they go to Seattle and I'm like, I've been to Seattle. I live in Seattle. And then I'm like, I've been to Alaska. I'm like, wow, places I've seen before. It's much more like... I don't know, compared to the Lost Hero, it just feels like they're much more a squad. Yeah, they're they're a lot, they work better together, I think. I mean, I think it was a bit of a disadvantage because Leo and Piper don't really have a relationship outside of Jason and Jason mm-hmm. doesn't remember either <laughs> of them. So it's yeah. like, it, yep. whereas at this one, Frank and Hazel have this like really deep connection where they're the yeah. losers at camp. Also, they have crushes on each other. Mm-hmm. And then Percy is just like this like calming spirit that they're really <laughs> enchanted by. Like Frank for some reason keeps saying like he'd never talked this much to anybody, but something about Percy and his emotional intelligence mm-hmm. makes Frank feel very comfortable. And Percy sees these two losers and was like, This is my type and just yeah. like adopts them immediately. It's cute. It's cute. It's much more enjoyable to read when they are characters that like immediately work as a team. Whereas Jason, Piper, and Leo, even when they're working as a team, there's that that underlying cut of Leo feels insecure around Jason. Piper is insecure about their relationship. And Jason keeps getting hit in the head. So we don't (laughs) really know what's going on. Love that for Jason. I really do think the son of Neptune is kind of like the unsung hero or the the underdog of Heroes of Olympus. Because like this book, I'm much more interested already. And I remember being like pleasantly surprised by it. So I was like, oh, well, Percy's in this, but like, where's Annabeth? But I actually like this book, so. Yeah. I, I'm i excited to get to um, House of Hades. Mm-hmm. I know that's everyone's favorite for a lot of reasons. But for me, I when I found out that these books existed, it had been a couple of years. And I just mm-hmm. like saw The Lost Hero at the library at our school. And so I read this one and then Son of Neptune back to back more mm-hmm. because I was like please where is Percy kind of thing <laughs> yeah and then I read Mark of Athena and then I had to wait yeah a yep. whole year yep. and I was I remember I was reading I read Mark of Athena in my dorm room no House of Hades came when I was in college okay. like freshman year of college it finally got and I had pre-ordered it <laughs> so it showed up at my college and I was like what is this like I had no memory of it <laughs> And so I'm excited because I don't remember. I mean, I, I keep saying this over and over again, but this entire series I don't remember. But mm-hmm. I remember the ending of Mark of... I mean, obviously, because it's iconic. Yeah, it's like, it's oh seared in my memory. But I remember that one so much because I read it over and over again because <laughs> I was like, did I miss something? <laughs> this is can't be the way that this book ends. I can't ha- wait a year. It was like, next book, November, or like whatever, like one year from now. And I was like, that's ridiculous he's clearly already written it just give it to me (laughs) you're like reading the lines like is there a secret message in here is there what am i missing god and going to like pinterest because i didn't have like any kind of fandom built or anything like i didn't know anything about the fandom world so i was like going to pinterest to look up theories it's like all these moms it was horrible (laughs) i love that for you thank you (laughs) Anyway, I'm excited. I'm enjoying these chapters because I didn't remember anything about Hazel's backstory. Mm -hmm. Um, I remembered bits of Frank's backstory a little bit more. Yeah. But I have like no idea. I don't remember if Percy gets his memories back at the end of this. I don't Mm -hmm. remember anything. So I'm very excited. Yeah. It's fun. I remember it more because I read it more recently. Yeah. I was the first time. But yeah. 
saying like you didn't have to go through that anguish nope. of having to wait in between. Ugh, nothing I is worse not. than that. That I'm was blessed. horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I'm blessed. But unfortunately, yeah. I did see like a spoiler about how Mark of Athena ends before I read Heroes of Olympus, and it was honestly oh. what got me to read Heroes of Olympus. Yeah, because I had never, I never thought that Percy was in them <laughs> until like. Then I was like, wait a second, they're like actually in these books. And so then I read them. So it's a little, I wish I didn't know though. I could have been blindsided by that though. Yeah. Might have heard more. Yeah. I was very confused. The logistics of it confused me. I was reading it. I was like not understanding what was happening and how it was happening. I also tend to skip over details, especially when I'm like reading feverishly. You're like, wait, why are they falling? Yeah. I was like, what is she attached to? What do you mean? (laughs) Just Turns out you just stop. skipped a paragraph. I know. That. <laughs> anyway, a quick summary on what we're talking about today. I'm a bit ahead of us, but um, <laughs> we're basically just seeing on this quest who our enemies are and getting a bit more backstory on Hazel. Yay. Okay. So I got the Percy chapters, chapters 13 through 15. So chapter 13 starts off with Percy dreaming about his man Grover, and also Annabeth, but I just think it's funnier to feel like Percy dreams of Grover. Constantly. All the time. I mean, it's that empathy link. Mm-hmm. So they're all trying to reach him through his dreams, and Annabeth, like, finally, and Grover get through to him, which is just funny. Like, are they all just, like, dreaming really hard back at Camp Half? blood i almost said camp half pod (laughs) 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 they're all just like concentrating really hard in their dreams to get through to percy and they're like okay stay where you are we'll come find you and then the dream shifts and he hears the voice of a mysterious sleeping woman who could that be telling him to go north and meet alcyonius and she says she's like in a super spooky voice she's like you will be my pawn in the end you're the key to the god's defeat and then he wakes up and then he runs into frank who tells him that they have to go to a meeting at the senate that is if percy wants to go on the quest with him and hazel and percy feels guilty about this decision because in his dream annabeth told him to stay put and also he doesn't know who he is but he feels kind of like a, a camaraderie with ha- hazel and frank and doesn't want to let them down so along with hazel and the other senators and also nico <laughs> who is wearing a black toga <laughs> do you think he got that special ordered or like yes. colored it with sharpie Oh, that's even funnier. I had in my notes, I was just like, I can't stop thinking about Nico going to one of the shops in um, like New Rome and where they sell the togas and them being like, oh, well, what size are you? And he's like, these are all white. Um, I can't wear that. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, I need a custom made black toga right now. I'm also imagining him at each Senate meeting just really bored and slowly starting to color with a Sharpie <laughs> the edge. And now he just has a fully black toga. I love the idea of him coloring it with a Sharpie or even like <laughs> staying up late at night before the meeting. Dying it. <laughs> yeah. Dying would definitely show. be easier, but a Sharpie is funnier. <laughs> I mean, you know what really happened is he put the white toga on and he just like, I am so pale. I can't do that. <laughs> this does not work with my skin tone. No. Nico is just... something. He's a, he's a fashionista in whatever form that may take. I'm obsessed with Nico's presence at, at uh, Camp Jupiter. Just he's he shows so up. random. He tells no one about his background. They all think he's weird. He just lies to Percy. He puts <laughs> on. He requests custom-made togas. He's so funny to me. He also doesn't fit. They're like you're the son of Pluto, but Pluto is like you're a lot gothier than the son of Pluto. <laughs> almost like your son of Hades. And he's like, haha, funny, and then walks away. He's like, that would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't tell anyone anything. I'm obsessed. I love this. Everyone else is wearing normal white togas, but Nico has his black toga on. He is ready. So they all head. Also, I don't know why he's there. It's the senator meeting, <laughs> and the three of them are going for the quest, but Nico's just also there. I I love Nico's presence here. It's so good. So they head towards the meeting, but not before being stopped by an annoying god 
Terminus, a, go a statue god of boundaries, which I thought was funny because my mind immediately went to like kind of boundaries in the current culture of being like self-care boundaries emotional boundaries yeah, yeah emotional boundaries i wonder if he would he would be into that mm. um and he stands at the pomerian line which i will not call the pomeranian line no matter how much i want to <laughs> just imagine a bunch of pomeranians in a line you know why that's so cute. That's so much more fun than a stupid statue who's, like, kind of a jerk. Mm -hmm. Well, he guards the city of New Rome, like, the, the place where you get from where the camp is, where they have all their child soldiers to where the, like, adults and young children live. And he makes sure nobody brings weapons inside. And Percy is just, once they get through, he's shook by the amount of people in town. There's full adults and children and families. And he imagines himself in Annabeth here. Even though he doesn't really remember Annabeth, he just remembers, like, her name in a flash of her face. And he's like, one day we could have a kid here. And then he's like, whoa, snap out of it, Percy. Percy is just such a, such a simp. Ugh. I, I love, love it. it. It's adorable. Mm. And the senators and our trio, and also Nico, head on to a big white domed building for the Senate meeting. So chapter 14, Reyna leads the meeting and declares that they will not vote about the quest since Mars decreed it. They're only kind of voting, like, the quest is happening. They're just voting on, like, how much funding they're going to get, basically, because the Romans have funding for this. Whereas at, at Camp Half-Blood, it's just like, um, <laughs> here's a t-shirt <laughs> and I think some food. I think Kyron gives them, like, a hundred bucks in cash and sends yeah. them out. Yeah. Like Olive Garden gift cards and is like, good luck. Chiron just pulls out a bunch of gift cards. <laughs> and the Cambers are angry about not voting on the quest because they think it's unfair that two losers and some dude that just showed up get to go on the quest. Which, again, it's the Percy, the Percy thing of how it's he just shows Percy up and gets quests. Every single time. Never has to work for it. Yeah, and like we're supposed to be like, oh, they're bullying them for getting a quest. But now I'm like, I feel so bad for all the side characters that just want a quest, never get one, and then they probably end up killed or something in some know, war. In the war. <laughs> yeah. And then Frank is suddenly promoted to Centurion from, and he was on probation, so this is a big deal, and this is for his performance in the war games, which pisses everyone off. The Senate then questions the trio about their direction for the quest. Do they know where they're going, what they're doing? And the answer is yes and no. They know they're going to Alaska, which is the land beyond the gods. Alaska is allegedly cursed with tons mm -hmm. of monsters and no godly influence because it's just like too far north, which is kind of funny because they've been to like Canada before. Yeah, but that's like, I guess a little less north. I guess. Mm, Montreal is a little bit I think it's north. like the culture of alaska they're very much <laughs> like we live in the bush with our guns i don't know why i went a little southern there for a yeah, second did, they're definitely yeah. like as far from southern as possible and yet somehow it's a circle you know it is yeah, yeah. we all come back to being having a southern accent <laughs> i love a good southern accent when it's like well done nice sounding yeah <laughs> <laughs> So Percy points out that this is an opportunity for them to make things right. Ever since the fifth cohort members went there and went to Alaska in the 80s and they all died, he's like, we can fix this. Uh, the son of Gia is waiting up there with his chained god Thanatos, and it's time for Camp Jupiter to get a win. And then we take a moment for Nico to explain why there's a god of dead when there's also Pluto slash Hades. And I was like, we haven't done a little Greek myth background so uh manasa who who is thanatos thanatos is the greek personification of death you can kind of think of him as the grim reaper in culture nice. in the he's sims the, yes in the sims in the sims yeah <laughs> he's the son of nyx which is night and erebus which is darkness which i was like nico wishes can you imagine? Yeah. he's like oh i'm hades son he's like i'm the son of the night and darkness <laughs> Anyway, his brother is Hypnos, who's sleep, if you remember from um, last book. He's the one who carries people down to the underworld when they die. He has been chained before by King Sisyphus, and we talked about him, I think, in a book or two ago. I don't remember why. I think it context. was in the bonus. It was in one of the bonus stories, right? 
Where, like, there's that short story with, like, Talia and Nico yeah, and Percy. Yeah, where they Percy. go to the underworld. Yeah. So, basically, he's the king who simply refused to die. He kept dodging death. And um, when he goes finally to the underworld to be dead, he ends up tricking Thanatos and chaining him up. So, this has happened before, which is, like, classic <laughs> in the Percy Jackson universe. Yeah. So for that period of time, no mortals died, but then Ares gets super pissed and comes down and frees Thanatos because no one is dying in his wars, and then what's the point? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we're concerned about. <laughs> yeah, so Nico describes it in this way, is that Thanatos is the person who keeps people from crossing back from death to life and describes him as border patrol. And I was like, does he racially profile people mm-hmm. too? Hmm. Thanatos, mm-hmm. border patrol, you want me to sympathize with him? <laughs> Since he's been captured, people have been popping back up from the dead. The doors of death, which are Thanatos' special doors that also like change location and only Thanatos really knows where they are. Um, he's supposed to have been guarding them, but since he's chained... They've been opened, and Gia's monsters have... I just... Every time I say Gia, I feel like I, like, I pause a bit. Like, I feel like I'm choking on my words. Mm-hmm. I'm like, You oh, don't want to say just, Gia. It's a stupid name. You want to say I don't Gaia. Know. It's so dumb. Yeah. Maybe we'll just, like, do it different every time. Like, yeah, Gaia. Gaia. Yeah, Gaia. <laughs> um, and so her monsters have seized control of the doors, meaning that, that she can pick and choose who she sends back. So she's like, I'm going to pick the worst possible people and mm-hmm. send them back to being alive. Raina brings up how those doors are mentioned in the Prophecy of Seven, because we all know this Prophecy of Seven, but Percy's like, let's slow down and go back to this quest. I don't want to think about that, which is Percy's whole vibe. Yeah. We don't need another (laughs) dissection of the Seven until we get this quest out of the way. Yeah, he's like, there are three of us. Let's just focus on the three quests before we expand, you know, our company. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yet they still don't have much of a plan besides get to Alaska and improvise. Octavian tries to argue not to fund their trip because he sucks. And Percy's like, can we just have a boat? I'm good in water. Let's just get us a boat so we can get there. I want to see the Roman Navy. And Octavian is like, sea travel has never been the Roman way, but we do have a Navy. And so they vote to pass the mission, which it obviously does because nobody can really say no. And they like pass the, the basically the funding for this quest is that he, they get access to the, na- the quote unquote Navy. And before they can leave, Reyna asks for a private word with Percy about her quest. Which Octavian points out, the last person to have a private word with Percy or with Reyna was Jason. And Percy's like, who is this Jason? Stop bringing this man up. I don't know him. <laughs> Okay, so chapter 15. So Percy and Reyna are having their little chat, their little private talk. And Reyna shows Percy a ring with the sign of the war god, her mom, Bologna, which Percy calls Bologna, (laughs) and asks if he recognizes it. He doesn't because his memory was wiped, and also Percy probably wouldn't have recognized it anyway. I didn't, so... And she asks if he remembers her or her sister, Hilla. That's right, throwback to book two, when they landed on Cersei's island. The girl boss gatekeeping Cersei <laughs> with her Our island. queen, yeah. Queen. Reyna and Hilla had been there, and Percy and Annabeth were the ones that destroyed their homes and let the pirates, previously known as guinea pigs, loose on a bunch of young girls. Which is really mm. dark. Like, the subtext there is so dark. Especially, which is interesting because, like, this book, presumably, I mean, we were a lot older by the time these books came out, but it's for a slightly older section of middle grade writing, whereas Percy is, like, you read that when you're younger, and so it's interesting as a reader to be, like, older by the time you read this, and be, like, as Percy is reflecting on, oh, that action had consequences, to be, like, oh... That's much darker than I thought it was when I read this when I was eight. When I read the first one when I was eight, and I was like, haha, pirates, Blackbeard. What a fun well, guy. <laughs> the whole point of like the the first series too is about the nuance of good versus evil. Mm-hmm. And you're learning that through the books as Percy's also learning that. So maybe it's like this idea of revisiting this scene that happened that when we read it as children, we're like, 
yeah, that makes sense. Cersei was the bad guy. She was the villain. She turned Percy into a guinea pig. There is no, um, you know, nuance. There's no context to that. Whatever. We don't have to think about it. It's not. It's mm-hmm. not gray. It's black and white. And so when the pirates are unleashed, they get to wreak havoc because they've been guinea pigs. They've been, you know, imprisoned by this evil witch. And now when you read it, especially as women, especially as women who love it when other girl bosses just destroy. Um, <laughs> It's a lot darker because you know that those pirates, you know, famously weren't nice to women or kind to women. And who knows Mm -hmm. what they unleashed as their vengeance on these poor, unprotected women. Yeah. And you read this as a kid. My brain was like, Will Turner? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, I want to be on that island. But as like an older person, like, did I just call myself an older person? Mm -hmm. At least you said older, not old. Yeah. That's an old person. No, like once I'm like, if I had read even them as a teen, once learning more about the history of the world men yeah. in general yeah. and, and pirates and being like oh that probably wouldn't have gone too well for them pirates so i like that the this caribbean lied to us i think it glamorized the pirates too much and then we were like pirates are actually the good guys <laughs> even though the pirates and pirates of the caribbean like weren't that good no like, they but the kind of character sucked. pirates were like hot so then we were yeah. good you know all three of them yeah yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> So, (laughs) Raina tells Percy that people at camp suspect that he is a spy because some believe the old legends that Greek gods still exist. Raina says she thinks he might be there to replace Jason, and Percy asks if her and Jason were an item. And apparently they were on their way there before Jason got zapped away Mm -hmm. by Hera. And then she just straight up propositions Percy to be her, quote, partner in power. And he's just like, "Uh, no, I have a girlfriend. (laughs) And I thought that was very, like, she never really says, like, I want to date you. But she implies that the Praetors normally date each other. Hmm. And Percy's just like, no, 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 I have a girlfriend. Which is, oh, Percy. Oh, Percy. She then gets back to business mode and instructs him to go to Seattle on his journey north and because her sister's there, Hilla, and speak to her sister for help. She gives him the ring so that he can prove to her sister that he's not going to, you know, release a bunch of pirates on her. Mm-hmm. And Reyna asks him to check in on her and then ask for help. And before leaving, Percy, like, turns back and apologizes for ha- what happened on Cersei's Island because clearly this is something that he hadn't thought about before and is now... It's going to stick with him, the impact of those, of what happened on that island. And then chapter 16, which is so short, is basically just them getting a boat. Percy, Frank, and Hazel head out on the quest and to the quote-unquote navy of the New Rome. And the navy uh, sucks. It's just a tiny boat, like a dinghy. And Percy is just like, well, we're going to make it work. And they hop on in and Percy uses his water powers to send them off and away. So let's see what my notes are that I didn't already touch on. Um, oh, they did say how Gaia, Gia, Gaia said in the in the dream that Percy is the key to the defeat of the gods. And I was like, is that because you probably don't remember this? In like Blood of Olympus, he gets a nosebleed and makes like the something. I don't remember all the details. He makes something happen because he drops his Blood of Olympus on something because he gets a nosebleed. Is that right? Oh, I don't remember yeah. that at all. That's so stupid. It's so great, but because it's Percy, it's funny. If it was Jason, I would be like, "You did you of get hit in the head he again?" Did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Let me see. I also said I think it's hilarious that I think anyone that lives in Alaska would probably love being in the land beyond the gods. Yeah. They just like, the culture is very like anti-government there. And I'm like, they would definitely love being away from the gods. It's definitely Um, their like state slogan on the license plates. (laughs) Land beyond God. (laughs) The land beyond God. (laughs) They also, the comparison to sending monsters back as like deporting them (laughs) makes me team Gaia again. But also I think that would not hold up as well today like as nico is trying to be like we should save thanatos because he's a cop not to say that like border patrol and there wasn't like a ton of 
really awful things happening at the border in 2010 when this was written. It's just more in our collective consciousness. It's more in the media. Uh, But Gaia is, like, granting people free passage. She took control. And I'm like, in this, like, you're you're still trying to get me to side against her. (laughs) I mean, I I guess she's sending the worst possible people over. So she's kind of sucking. Or narcissism, yeah. like, oh, not, not narcissism, nepotism, where she's only sending the people she likes and people yeah. like, yeah, so she's... So that's not good. <laughs> no. It's not a good look, but I don't feel sympathetic for Thanatos at the minute, <laughs> even though I'm like, I guess people shouldn't become alive again after dying, but also, you know, what what's it gonna do? <laughs> if they wanted to come back, that's their problem. <laughs> <laughs> they have to make that journey. Yeah. Why would they want to come back? Just kidding. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, am I going into Hazel's chapters now? Yes. Alright, Hazel, chapter 17 through 20. So, chapter 17 starts with Hazel just talking about how much she hates boats and feeling quite seasick. She actually had to travel to Alaska the first time with her mother by boat decades ago and things don't feel much better than they did then. Percy remembers this area vaguely and as they leave the docks of San Francisco he thinks about how maybe he was once on a quest to maybe look for Annabeth but he can't super remember. He's like my girlfriend was lost Mm -hmm. or missing And we looked for her. And they're like, can you expand on that? And he says, not right now. (laughs) Hazel starts going over the night before with some pride. She's remembering how awesome Frank was and how great he looked as a leader. And she also remembers how Nico took her aside before they left and wished her luck, saying he was going back to the underworld. Apparently the underworld looks like a prison riot since everything seems to be going wrong with death and people keep escaping. He also warns her that the closer she gets to Alaska, it may make her blackouts worse. There's also a chance when they free Thanatos, Hazel will be taken back to the underworld and she'll die again. So this whole series of chapters is her just basically coming to terms with the fact that she might not be alive in a week. Mm. They make their way into the Pacific Current. Percy remembers landmarks without much accuracy as they go. He's like, I think I know that mountain. (laughs) <laughs> and then doesn't expand it. He's like trying his best to remember. And it's like surface level. There's clearly stuff there. They just can't get past that. Which He's... makes this book so much more fun, I think, as a reader. Again, to pick, compare it to Jason. Is that Jason doesn't really get that trickle of memories until much later in the book. He suddenly yeah. gets a bunch, like with the wolf house and stuff. But Percy seems to very consistently get them. Also, as readers, we know what he should yeah. be. Mm-hmm. Remember, mm-hmm. Yeah, Jason goes, Jason goes, I remember the wolf house, but I don't remember anything else. We're like, you're useless then. <laughs> We're like, we don't know the wolf house. Does yeah. have wolves in it? <laughs> Hazel remarks how much Percy reminds her of Jason. They have the same quiet power, and they also have the same sadness of someone who knows what their destiny is and also knows one day they're going to meet a monster that they can't beat. Like, that's going to be the thing that takes them down. And with that thought, Hazel remembers how she died the first time, and we get a bit of a flashback. In their rental house in Anchorage that's basically suspended over the bay, every time a train rolls by, the entire house shakes. Queen Marie now goes only by Marie and works as a cook and is rarely home. But when she does come home, the voice, which is like capital T, capital V, would take over and force Hazel to do work on their terrible project. Hazel just makes me think of the show, The Voice. <laughs> she just starts I'm singing. I'm like, Adam Levine? Like, Mom, please stop singing. <laughs> Hazel is ostracized by the townspeople, and she doesn't blame them. She's the local witch's kid, and they're really scared of her. Instead, she makes friends with ravens, which I was like, doesn't help with the rumors that you're the witch's daughter, and runs around in nature. The day she died, she's chasing a wild horse she sees, and chases it all the way to, like, around the area up until 10 p.m. Because the sun doesn't set, it's summertime, she doesn't even realize how late it is. The horse literally vanishes into thin hair. Thin hair? Jesus Christ. <laughs> the horse. 
hair gets really thin and it just like needs to go to the salon. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> the horse literally vanishes into thin air like a black puff of smoke, like the same way her dad does when he visits and disappears, when she finally catches up to it and she runs home. When she makes it home, she comes to a wreckage and a note from her mother saying that she's waiting for her on the island. Basically, we found out that the voice has trapped her mother and has been making Hazel do these tasks, and if Hazel completes them all, her mother will be freed. Hazel rows to a secret island off the coast where a raven warns her that tonight is the last night. It's all very spooky. <laughs> the island is wild and full of spirits and is also oddly warm. There's a cavern called the Heart of the Earth where the heart, the, the earth is literally beating like a heart. The voice, as you have guessed, is our girl, Gia, and she wants to consume Hazel. <laughs> Woohoo! Woohoo! They have been using Hazel to bring up all the valuables in the dirt until Hazel is passing out every night. Finally, she brings up what Gaia has been wanting the whole time, which is a weird spire. And every night she has to rise it a little bit by little bit from the ground. This night, her mother breaks free of the voice a little bit and in her own voice apologizes to Hazel and all that she's put her through. She urges Hazel to run. The rock spire is going to hatch and hmm. inside contains Gia's child. I was like, oh, gross. Isn't, like, the the curse, though, that anything Hazel makes come out of the ground is cursed? Maybe yeah. Gaia was shooting herself in the foot here. Like, maybe if she touched know. the rock spire, she was, like, <laughs> she cursed herself years down the line. <laughs> we don't know. Maybe. I mean, no. Mm. That would have been too clever, yeah. I think, at that point. Yeah. Her mother explains that she had wanted money and she was so tired of being poor and Pluto had courted her. And when she had Hazel, he was so proud and excited. He promised to give Marie whatever she wanted, but her ask was too much. And when a mortal asks something that is too intense or too like much, it ends up becoming a curse, which Pluto literally warns her of, but Marie doesn't listen. And that's how Gia found them. Marie was so angry at Pluto that she was able to feed off of that easily. So now if Marie sacrifices herself, the thing will hatch. The eldest of the giants, the 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 Alcinius, Alcinius guy. Al. Yeah. Al, our buddy. <laughs> our buddy Al. It's basically, but the thing is Marie has to make this choice. It has to be a a choice of free will, but it's not really free will because Gia is saying, if you don't do this, I will kill Hazel. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, since Marin is so uh, team Gia, apparently Gia started World War II so the gods would take sides and she could do her weird work in peace. Yikes. See, that's, that's <laughs> where she went wrong. I'm like, honey, you had some good ideals there. Save the earth. <laughs> That's how they always start. That's how they get you is the good foundation and then bad execution. (laughs) Basically, Hazel refuses for this to happen and instead reaches into her soul and uses all of her powers to send the spire back down into the earth and prevent it from hatching. And Gia's like, you can, like, that sucks that you're doing this. This is really shitty of you, but you can't prevent this. This is only going to delay it a couple decades. I'm just going to do this in The Lost Hero and just (laughs) use Hera as my power. But, oh, okay, fine, do it. The fissure explodes and the roof crumbles as Hazel and her mom collapse into the bay and Hazel presumably dies. Chapter 18, Hazel has blacked out because she's telling us about her backstory, so she has to black out because no one can Mm -hmm. stay awake. She's now awakened by Frank. They have made it about 150 miles from the Golden Gate. Hazel explains to the boy that she blacks out because of her past, and immediately Percy is suspicious of that. He's like, where did Nico find you again? (laughs) Hazel is about to explain, but needs water first, so Percy goes down to the boat to get it. Alone with Frank, Hazel explains a bit of her backstory, that she's from the past, and Frank is not surprised, he actually guesses it himself. And in fact, Frank has a secret to share with her too, but before he can, they notice the air has gone still, and suddenly a force like a grassy hurricane drags Hazel into the fields. 
So chapter 19, Hazel has been essentially kidnapped by a field of grass. She's trapped in a funnel cloud of plants and she's moving fast. She uses her powers to lock onto a cool spot on the earth and she free falls about 20 feet onto a sea of grass. And then on the sea of grass, she's pulled up um, a gemstone rock, which she now stands on. Her kidnappers are a dozen chubby Cupid babies, but with fang teeth, greenish hue, and kernels of grain in their skin. They're angry about the gemstone that Hazel has made appear and latched onto because they cannot grow anything on it. Specifically wheat, which one of them is obsessed with, and he himself is the spirit of wheat. They are Karpoi, spirit of the grain, and children of the earth mother. You can tell whose side they're on. (laughs) each of them is a different grain and they hate the gods because they essentially tamed them and then commercialized them and let humans grow and pick them that's a fair complaint i know they're like capitalism yeah (laughs) this is slave labor yeah they also they're like giving a lot of information freely they're not very smart creatures gia's Mm -hmm. are they tell hazel that gia's army is also just over the ridge waiting for them to bring Hazel and so they can go march on the Romans. She tries to trick them into giving her more information, like where in Alaska they are keeping Thantanos. Thanatos! God damn it! Where in Alaska they are keeping Thanatos, but they catch on and don't tell her. So as the daughter of Pluto, she decides to fight them. She's about to swing her sword, but suddenly a golden arrow makes contact and dissolves our buddy Wheat to dust. Chapter 20, Frank and Percy burst in and start massacring massacring every source of fiber they can find. The Kapori are defeated and when they Kapori. try... The Kapori. Is that not what I said? No. Carpoi. You said before. Carpoi. Wow. <laughs> they change each time. That's kind of right. cuter sounding. I know. Kapori sounds like some kind of fish, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Anyway, the Carpoi is defeated, and when they try to reform, Percy threatens to light them on fire. Where did he get fire? Like he just Percy. pulls out a lighter, and he's like, you want to, don't fuck with me right now. Yeah. <laughs> They're happy to find each other, but notice that in the ravine below them, it's filled with monsters, and they're all marching south. Even centaurs, who Percy always thought were the good ones are on and on the god side, are marching. Except apparently in Roman myths, they are drunk and always accidentally kill heroes. So they're actually <laughs> villains. Even Cyclops are marching, which Percy knows is wrong. Percy's having a full panic attack and looks sickly. They try to take Percy back to the boat, but when they look over the rock, they see the giant. He's at least 30 feet tall with scaly legs and green-blue armor. He's got a human face and wild hair, green hair like seaweed with vipers falling out of his head. He also has a massive trident and a weighted net. I was like, well, I wonder who his counterpart <laughs> god is. Who could it be? Ooh, a mystery. Hazel knows they should leave, but also senses something important is about to happen and they need to stay and watch. The army's marching to a store, but when they try to go inside, there's just like a convenience store in the middle of this area. <laughs> but when they try to go inside... Uh, They are all blinded by rainbows, and rainbows are even shot at the monsters. There's a bit of chaos until the giant, whose name is Polybotus. I would say Polybides. Polybides? I don't know. I feel like... Wait, let me look this up, because I actually don't know. That's how I always said it. But now I'm like, oh, let's... It is Polybotes. 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 I like polyboats. Polyboats. I was like, he's like multiple boats. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, Polybotes goes to the storefront and demands that the goddess surrender. The goddess doesn't respond, but Polybotes suggests they move on instead of wasting time and energy on the minor goddess. There's a whole scene where the storefront throws out a ding-dong, but Polybotes thinks Hmm. it's a grenade, so there's a huge panic, and then he realizes it's a cupcake and gets really offended. But he's also a bit scared of her, so he doesn't challenge her. He's like, oh, she's not worth our time. (laughs) A lady of Cyclops 
and the right hand to the giant yells about going to the camp and killing those who had wronged her, specifically Jason Piper and Leo. I love that that they name drop. Yeah, so that's that lady cyclops it. with the children, right? Yeah, yeah. Ma Gasket. Ma Gasket. She's back and ready for revenge. She's like specifically Jason, Piper, and Leo. Yes. She literally says, and Hazel is thrilled to hear Jason is probably still alive, but has no idea who these other two people are. Polybides starts marching, but stops because he thinks he smells a sea god. He was created to destroy Neptune. So he's like, I know uh, the smell of a sea god when I smell it. But the others around him to stop, tell him to stop dilly-dallying and keep marching. Which is a good thing because Percy's pale and shaking still from the rush of memories that seem to be attacking him. And just like the conflicting theories of his mind. The monsters march and they disappear into the distance. Since Percy looks like a sickly Victorian boy, Hazel and Frank decide they need to try and get to that convenience store. Even though it shoots rainbows and has giant snake things guarding it. But they're hoping that maybe the goddess is friendly. So my note is Percy being properly described as a soldier with PTSD makes a lot more sense, especially because Mm -hmm. you know that if it was from his point of view, he'd be like, I don't know why this is happening. And he'd make some joke and he'd talk about like something else and they would laugh about it. He's like, so weird. I just started feeling really dizzy. I was dehydrated. (laughs) Whereas like Hazel is like looking at Percy as like someone who has seen a lot of grief and is always the one who has to like finish the quest and has been through a lot and has seen like has lived a life where he knows his death is coming and inevitable mm-hmm. which is like a like a lot for like a 12 year old kid to have taken on his entire life yeah yeah poor person so i liked that i liked that hazel is a lot more introspective too and that she thinks about it and she thinks about him in that way. And also just Percy's a lot more just twitchy in these books, I feel. Because he's, um, even when they're on the boat, he doesn't trust Hazel. As soon as Hazel is like, I get blackouts. And Percy's immediately like, where did Nico find you? And when he's going on the boat, he notices and senses the hurricane field Cupid babies before it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I like reading about him from someone else's perspective because I think even in the same, I mean, we don't get first person, but even in the Percy chapters, he's not like, he's just like, memories keep coming back to me. I don't know. Kind of weird. But from Hazel's perspective, it's like, this guy (laughs) seems very unwell. Yeah. And it's cool to get that outside look of Percy. Also, Hazel's backstory is so sad because her mom essentially says, as they're dying, like, you know, I'm so proud of you. You were the greatest gift. I can't believe I wanted anything else. And she spent her entire life thinking that she just has her curse because she was just born that way. She doesn't realize that her mom is the reason it happened. Yeah. So in that, all of that all coming crashing down on her in the moment and then making this decision to sacrifice herself, and but also sacrifice her mother because at that point she doesn't get to choose that her mom lives. She has to make a decision that if she dies, her mom dies too. Yeah. It's a lot to have happen to a 13-year-old girl. So it's just like, it's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. I like, forgot I do really like, I remember reading Hazel and being like, why are you here? (laughs) The first time, more not, more because she suddenly just like gets so powerful and just like constantly increases her power. Suddenly it's like, you know, wielding magic and is a witch and all this stuff. And at the time, and I was like, okay. <laughs> also, she's dating like a 17-year-old. It's like weird yeah. to me. Okay, but six, now, you aged him up a little. 16, gonna, yeah, it's, we, it's still by weird. By the time I finish this. <laughs> You're going to be like, she's dating a 30-year-old. Yeah, I know. It's still a weird age gap that yeah. I think Rick just as an adult was like, oh, a three-year age gap isn't weird because yeah. it's not weird if you're in your 40s. Yeah. <laughs> when you're in middle and high high school depending on the like dynamic of the relationship it can lead to weird power dynamics i think he also wanted hazel to be a younger sibling to nico and in order to do that nico is already so much younger he's only like 14 or 15 so she has to be 13 and then frank has to be 
16 because he needs to there has to be some kind of competition with leo like all of the stuff Ugh. has to line up so it ends up being a bit problematic yeah they definitely could have made frank younger though like i don't think he needs to be like the same age or close to the same age as percy he could have been like 14 or 15 and it would have been yeah. fine but I do think that would have changed the dynamic a little bit on this quest. It would have very much been Percy being like, these are children. Yeah, Percy and his two children. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he does treat them like that, even though Frank is the same age yeah. as him. Yeah, I think yeah. Percy just adopts people. Yeah. <laughs> Aww. All right, uh, ready for lightning bolt round questions? Yes. All right. My question is, what do you think your godly parents' storefront would be? Oh, Athena would definitely be like a library. But like, like a bookstore? Like a bookstore. Like it a has book to capitalism. Store. Yeah. It has to, ca- you have to be selling. Yeah. You a bookstore. profit bookstore. Maybe like a, a book, but, and, and especially like where she would hang out is like the books on wars. <laughs> <laughs> the section like no one goes office. to. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's is, I mean, the the easy one is like a plant store. Yeah. But I feel like it's a like one of those grunge plant stores. Ooh. Like it's a coffee yeah. shop, and the person, like the barista who runs it, definitely like wears like too much eyeliner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of random pink flowers everywhere. It just like it's a very confusing aesthetic. It's like the kind of vibe where you could like definitely ask the person behind the counter if they're also selling weed. Yeah. And you'd probably get some. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like that. That's cool. Um, the one I came up with is what would your custom made toga look like? Do you remember oh God. our 11-11-11 party? <gasps> oh my God. Wasn't that a toga party? It was a toga party. <gasps> What did I do? Do you have photos by any chance? I really wish I if I did, they're like not on like they'd be on Facebook. Okay, oh, I want to I'll find that deep. I'll if we could through. find that, we should try to like post it and crop everyone else. That's out. what I was thinking. Um, oh so I gosh. have my toga was my mom made it for me because we had to build oh, make wow. togas for sixth grade. Um, we had like a toga yeah. day. So my mom, she just got like a white fabric and she got this beautiful red and gold border that she stitched onto it. And then these giant um, gold safety pins that I made like a toga out of. Mm -hmm. I like that idea, keeping it simple with a simple border. If I wanted to be like, if I had main character energy that day, it would definitely be purple. But I Ooh, think I like, I like I like white. I think especially because I've got you know brown skin. I think it looks good on me. So yeah, I would yeah, say, yeah. White, keeping it simple. A nice, solid white. Yeah, I like that. I like. I'm thinking of in my my school's version of toga day. If we had to do like ancient civilizations, and I was in the Rome class, and I remember my toga I got was like like a red velvety with like gold outline. <laughs> I want to bring that back. I mean, not that it would fit me now. Then again, I haven't really grown much since I was 11, so <laughs> vertically at least. Yeah. And, but it was so cute and fun, and that I would totally wear that. Idea. I don't remember what I wore to the toga party on 11-11-11, but we I don't know in... that. I, I think I might have just worn, like, a sheet, and then, because I don't think I, ha- I, like, didn't go too hard. I wish I had. Yeah, no, I remember it was very cute. Like, we all made a wish... At 11, oh 11. My gosh. And it snowed because my mom picked us up and she had yeah. a hard time getting up the hill. Yeah. That is yeah. so pure. It is very pure. For 11, if there, not that there's ever going to be 11, 11, 11 in our lifetime again. No. But throw parties for fun days. <laughs> we should have another toga party. We should. It's very Greek life of us. It is. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, in more like a fun way <laughs> where we have trivia about. <laughs> ancient deities <laughs> all right cool so yours would be white and mine would be red yeah <laughs> pretty standard yeah okay um another question we got on instagram from safe was who is the most an underrated character in heroes of olympus okay i have this whole thing that just actually oh. started um someone sent me an email a while ago like months and months ago and they basically asked, like, who was like, what's the ship that you would put together that you, you know most people wouldn't think of? 
Mm. And I thought about it and I've doubled down on it. I think Leo should have dated Reyna. I think Reyna is just like Reyna. Really? Yeah. Oh, this is fascinating. I think that it would have been an intro. Like he could have been such a good um what is it called? Praetor? No. No. He would not have been a good praetor. <laughs> no, no, no. He wouldn't be a praetor, but that's the thing. He's the the um a wife what, guy? What is, no, what is the what? You know, like the stereotype of the wife guy, the dude who just the was wife like, go, guy. go what girl. Is he, what, is the, what is that called? I've only heard husband? it as a wife a wife guy. No, 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 no. Male male wife. Oh, uh, yes, yeah. a male wife. Yeah. Okay. He'd be a good cuz then like it would have solved a lot cuz I have a feeling right now it's like has a lot of responsibility and she's just like really put together and she's like really just type A. It's kind of like Amy and Jake where just like Jake okay. is an absolute mess from Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Just an absolute mess, and so Leo. But like a lot of Leo's um, insecurities is like can't get a woman. So like immediately that's squashed. He's like pretty emotionally mature. Besides that one part, that I'm sure gets worse as time goes on. I've heard. But anyway, but like pretend <laughs> that part's healed. I think that they would have been really fun together. This is so fascinating. I think it would have worked. I think it's like an underdog. And this is like, but anyway, I think an underrated character, Zayna, I think she carries a lot. She's like literally the only reason they're alive 90% of the time. Plus she has to deal with Octavian. Plus she has to deal with the guy that she's like kind of had a thing with. Fully forget her. And then when he does remember her, he's like, sorry, I've already moved on. (laughs) This is fascinating. I hard to disagree with Reyna and Leo, but I think it's mostly based off, because Reyna gets a ton more characterization in Trials of Apollo. And so that's (laughs) what that's based off of for me. But I can see where you're going. Like, I can see where you're going with the Jake-Amy dynamic. And I respect it. I respect it. And I also agree that Reyna is really um, what was the word in the question? Underrated. (laughs) Underrated. Okay. I agree that Reyna is really underrated. I think yeah, I would say Reyna or also, like, Hazel, even though she's one of the seven, I think... I don't know a lot of people who, like, Hazel is their f- favorite. Mm. Not that I know, personally know, a ton of people who've, like, read these books as much I as know. we have. That's but true. just on the internet, I don't see as much love for Hazel. And I think she's pretty powerful and also nice. Yeah, and, like, a woman of color who's not yeah. written too, too awfully. yeah. 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 Whew. And next week, we will be doing Son of Neptune, chapters 21 through 28, which I believe is when they get to Portland, which is cool because I've also been to Portland. <laughs> wow. Both of us have. Wow. Neat. Yeah. If you're interested in supporting us, you can find us on Patreon. The link is in the episode description. And you can follow us on social media at Camp Half Pod. Email us at camphalfpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate and review wherever you're listening to podcasts. I always love when I see, like, the written reviews pop up. Y'all are just, like, so nice and cute. I love it. Love it. it. Bye!